It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online. On DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. First up, though, let's talk about that mini-budget being announced by Rishi Sunak later today. I say mini-budget. It's involving, we think, in the region of £10 billion of uh, changes to government expenditure. But in the big scheme of things, after that furlough scheme and all the help uh, for the economy during the lockdown, uh, that is uh, just money down the back of the sofa, isn't it? Jobs, 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 we're told, is what it's all about. £2 billion kickstart work placement scheme for the young people aged 16 to 24. Uh, seems to be the uh, latest trail today. It would last for six months, uh, Employers would get £1,000. The uh, young people would get a £5,500 payment for those six months. And it's hoped that it would help some 300,000 people on universal credit. But is it enough? Well, let's talk to Andrea Ledson, former business secretary and Conservative MP. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Um, There there have been so many measures to try and help so many people, employers, employees, uh, self-employed and the like, in the last few months. And the numbers have been astronomical, eye-watering. Is £2 billion a work placement scheme for six months for 300,000 young people? Um, Is is this really going to be enough to try and uh, stem the flow of uh, those job losses? I think uh, it's going to need to be increased. And I think the Chancellor has said it will be increased if the demand is there. But what's really important about this is when you are 16 to 24, you need to get into work. There's a lot of evidence that shows that young people who never get a job or who lose their job at a very young age really do struggle to get back into the workplace. So what this is seeking to do is to encourage employers who, after all, it is businesses that create jobs, not government. It's encouraging those employers to look at how they can use the talents of young people better and help them to employ them so that they can get back on that path to recovery. So I think it's actually really useful seed money. Well, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people are saying that this is the crucial time for many young people, although a lot of other people listening right now, uh, you know, maybe got their families and mortgages, been in work for many years. Uh, their job may, they think, be disappearing once the furlough scheme ends, their business uh, going under, just simply can't keep going without uh, any customers. Uh, they'll be saying, well, what, what about us? Yeah, and I think the Chancellor has shown 
very clearly his determination to protect the economy. He's, you know, the furlough scheme, the self-employment support, the business grants and so on have demonstrated a commitment to keeping the economy afloat. And what I, you know, the, the furlough scheme being extended to October with a sort of slow withdrawal of government support is the right way to go. But at the same time, I do think businesses need to be thinking creatively about if their business as it stands now simply can't reopen, rehappen for the next period of time. They need to think creatively about what next for them. And businesses do have superb ideas. You know, we had uh, in my own constituency, the Silverstone Technology Cluster started turning their hand to producing PPE. You know, we had a Northampton gin distillery producing hand sanitizer. You know, different businesses have been able to look at their processes and their products and think about what could be valuable in a post-coronavirus world. Yeah. And that, you know, that the government support is vital, but so too is businesses being determined to find a way forward. Yeah, I have to say, I've been bowled over, particularly by small business uh, people and, and in terms of their their entrepreneurial spirit and their ability yeah, to say, exactly. think creatively. And it's, I think this has been really one of the really unsung things uh, of the of the crisis, actually. They're, they're you know, right, just turning to a takeaway, going online and, and as you say, changing exactly. what they're doing. Um, there is still a worry about the, the three million people who fell through the crisis. We spoke to uh, Lib Dem MP Jamie Stone earlier. He's got a very large cross-party group of MPs across, uh, you know, across all parties saying, look, we've got to give some help for the people who you know, set up a business too recently, who just left a job, just about to start a new job, both jobs not eligible for a furlough uh, scheme. Obviously, those people are eligible for universal credit, but people who perhaps you know, worked really hard, done all the right things, but have somehow slipped through the cracks. Is there going to be anything, do you think, in terms of some grants, some special sort of one-off measures to help those people? I completely share Jamie Stone and other colleagues' concerns about that. You know, there there has been, due to timing, and for very good reasons, actually, because of the way that um, recording of employment works. So the system simply couldn't work for them. But I, I do share that concern that they haven't had any help and they should have some help. But what I would like to see is the Chancellor really focused on promoting new jobs. So, um, you know, the, the green economy is a massive opportunity for the UK. There's already 450,000 green collar jobs and predicted on the current trajectory to be 2 million by 2030. But I genuinely think that the green economy in the UK could be as big, if not bigger than financial services. And there are jobs for all sorts of people in it, you know, ranging from delivery drivers to marketing people, to engineers, to scientists, to um, to installers, you know, and, and so I was really pleased that the Chancellor announced yesterday three billion pounds for, for example, improving your energy efficiency in your home, improving your insulation and so on. And those sorts of um, government schemes will lead to the creation of many more jobs. So well, what I'm hoping is that the Chancellor is very much going to be focused on um, promoting and supporting businesses to create the jobs of tomorrow. Okay, well, let's also talk about the prospect of a uh, a stamp duty cut, a a holiday, uh, basically raising the threshold up from 125,000 when you start paying stamp duty on your property purchase to 500,000. And uh, basically, you could save people, anyone looking to buy during the period of this holiday, we don't know whether it's six months, a year or whatever, uh, £15,000 not to be stiffed at. Well, that's whether you're a first time buyer, uh, buying a second or third home, or even if you're buying a home that's worth a lot more, you're still going to get the benefit of that. Um, Now, there'll be a lot of people who'll say, 
say, look, that's great. And I know quite a few people who are looking to, to move home or buy their first home in, in the coming months. And they are very excited about this. Kickstart the, uh, the economy, uh, the, the, the housing market. But there'll be a lot of people who say they're still renting. They haven't got a chance of buying a home. Why are you helping the people who, who've already clearly, you know, doing better than those who were stuck uh, paying private rents? Yeah, and, and this this actually, you highlight what is something that's very unfair about this coronavirus pandemic is that, um, you know, there are some people who've been, you know, safe at home with a garden, with um, able to work from home and to carry on earning and so on. And then there are others who are renting perhaps in, you know, poor quality accommodation with no outside space and who have lost their jobs. I mean, it has been a very brutal and unfair pandemic and you know many people will have suffered but the the advantage for the whole economy of a stamp duty holiday is of course that when somebody moves home that creates a lot of opportunity in the economy because you know you need removal people you need you you, you you'll often sort of get a painter and decorator in you'll need a plumber to move your white goods and and so on so actually it does help to spark um, new activity in the economy which helps to create jobs so I think what the chancellor will be looking at is not sort of trying to reinforce already unfair divides but actually to look at ways that gets the economy working again and promoting those jobs that we are desperately going to need to see. I was thinking all my questions to you I've realised fall into this vein with the difficulty for any chancellor right now especially a conservative chancellor dealing with you know how to tackle the 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 economic fallout of the pandemic is it you're almost damned if you do and damned if you don't you know spending too much money how are you going to pay for it you shouldn't you should be going uh, you know much much less far because you're just you're spending money you don't have and at the same time but why aren't you helping this person if you're helping them why aren't you helping that firm why are you doing this there is an element isn't there where um, the Rishi Sunak is going to face well praise on all sides but criticism on all sides for whatever he does yeah, you're absolutely right. And and that's been the case, you know, in my um, email inbox as an MP is loads of people saying, thank goodness for the measures he's taken and others saying, but what about me and what about this? But ultimately, of course, what the Chancellor has to do is to keep a very careful eye on our nation's fiscal position, because ultimately, you know, this year we're going to be borrowing hundreds of billions more than we expected to. And in the end, international investors who will be willing to lend us that money have to have confidence in the fact that the UK's economy remains sound. And if they lose that confidence, what happens is the cost of borrowing for the UK goes up. And that means that yet more money is being spent in interest costs that can't be used to help our economy. So there always has to be a balance. Um, and I think the Chancellor has gone absolutely the extra mile to trying to ensure that we protect the economy through the lockdown and now that we kickstart the economy once we're able to come out of it safely across the uk online on dab and on your smart speaker talk radio it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio. Right now, let's talk to Josh Hardy. He's Deputy Director General of the Confederation of British Industry. Good morning to you, Josh. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you very much. I'm just wondering, you look, always look very fresh-faced when I see you, sir, on, on the telly. So I'm wondering whether you might fit into this category, but I but I fear not. Um, this is all going to always butter up the guests. Why not? Um, this is, I mean, this is a big day. It's a mini-budget, we're told you. The big budget's coming in the autumn when perhaps you've got a better grip on quite how bad, let's be honest, quite how bad things are going to be. But been, last time I think we were discussing with you the prospect of uh, you know this this V-shaped recovery that everyone had first talked about. So we went down, like plummeting down, but we could actually bounce back very quickly. Um, I have to say, looking around, I mean, I, I live and work in fairly central London and I, I am not seeing uh, evidence that a lot more people are out and about buying and spending their money because they seem to be a bit concerned. Do you think that what you've heard of the measures so far, and no doubt there'll be a rabbit pulled from the hat as well, but in terms of temporary cut to stamp, duty. The VAT cut, we're told, will be happening for the hospitality sector. This three billion pound greens job, uh, green jobs package, including vouchers for home insulation. And then now today, this two billion pound kickstart workplace scheme for people under 24, uh, where the government basically pay most of their wages and also pay the employer to take them on. Um, do you think that that package that we've heard so far is going to be enough? I think what we've seen is the government put a huge amount of effort into flattening the curve of the virus. And they're now turning their mind to try to flatten the curve of unemployment. And that's right. And we've almost seen a down payment on the cure. So that's helping people back into work, whether it's by creating green jobs, whether it's by kickstarting the careers of young people or training in communities. Uh, but that is essentially people who are, who are already unemployed. How can we get them back into work? What we hope to see today is a real focus on prevention. How can you give support to those businesses that are really struggling, struggling to make sure that people don't become unemployed in the first place? That could be about half of our members say cuts to business rates, for example, would really, would really help. Um, it could be, as Steve said, about stimulating demand through VAT or even through vouchers. 
but that prevention is going to be so important. If we can get the prevention and the cure working together, we can minimise the impact of unemployment that scars communities. I mean, indeed, I mean, a lot of us have been concerned about you know the, the people who've got kids and uh, and and jobs been existing for years. They've got mortgages, they've got commitments. Losing their jobs will have a devastating effect on a whole family. And yet, so much of the focus seems to be uh, on 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 young people at the moment. I don't know if that's just for the news headlines or, or why that is, but but the understanding seems to be that this is you know my guest earlier was pointing out that he's seen some research. You know, that losing work in your early twenties can have a for you know your entire lifetime is this absolutely crucial to tackle this particular age group uh, it is really important because yeah you're right the evidence is there that unemployment long-term unemployment disproportionately scars the young um we know that actually young people tend to be in jobs more jobs have been lost um for, for young people in the virus through the virus than other age groups but uh, it's not solely about young people. So absolutely right to focus on them in many in many ways. But as we're saying, if we can prevent across the economy job losses, if we can support people back into work across the economy, because this is about gender, this is about race, this is about regions as well. Unemployment scars unevenly. Uh, so right to have a focus, but it's not exclusively about young people. There are all sorts of, of, of um, workers that need support. Yeah, and I was thinking, you know, it's retail, hospitality and leisure jobs that are, have been uh, really most most at risk. And we know when those furlough schemes start costing employers money with national insurance and the like, and when they end, um, an awful lot of those people are going to be out of jobs. There just simply isn't going to be the same demand. Uh, even if everyone felt healthy enough and, and confident enough about uh, the pandemic uh, during rearing back that, that they could go out, there simply won't be enough you know people won't have as much money to spend um, um and yet i wonder how many of those jobs can be replaced there's been a lot of talk about help for the construction industry hasn't there Mass- massive infrastructure projects build 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 uh, the prime minister said in a speech in dudley yep. the other week um uh, and yet how many of those jobs are transferable skills you know i mean i've waitressed in you know various places i'm not sure i could transfer my waitressing skills to working on a construction site anytime soon No, and I think everybody's been clear that not every job um, can be saved. Uh, But that doesn't mean we we shouldn't try and support and save as many as possible. And I think this is where local labour markets come in. We have in the past been really good, actually, in this country, when there's high unemployment in the local area of job centres, FE colleges, businesses, trade unions working together to redeploy people where their skills do match. And that very often is the case. And where they don't match to really train them with the skills of the future. We've seen a boost in the green jobs of the future through the Prime Minister's um, speech. Uh, We know there are going to be high-tech digital jobs in the future. Can we get that training in place in local communities so that where there aren't jobs available right now, people get the skills for the jobs that will be there soon so that you're getting as many people into work and preparing as many people to work as possible. And let's also talk about this uh, temporary cut to stamp duty, stamp duty holiday, we're told, uh, basically raising the threshold which currently exists uh, for everyone but first-time buyers uh, of £125,000. I mean, you're buying a garage in a lot of parts of the country for that, Um, but no tax up to £500,000. And uh, so anyone buying a super-duper property worth more than that, um, they they won't pay any tax themselves. So it's across the board, whether you're you know, at the bottom of the market or the top of the market, you'll still save money. The maximum you can save is £15,000. That is not to be sneezed at, is it? That's £15,000 that could possibly then be spent on home improvements. You, you know, go out and use tradesmen and, uh, and women and, uh, you know, and, and you know, buy a new bathroom or whatever. Um, there is a fear, though, that whenever there's a mess around with the taxes on, on property, it just gets absorbed into, into the market very, very quickly. Do you think this will make a difference? 
I think it can. And again, it's all about stimulating demand. It's all about, if we look at our high streets, you know, retail sales, yes, they've gone up since non-essential retail opened, but they're 30% down on last year. If we can get money in people's pockets, if we can, no scheme is perfect. Um, no scheme is going to 100% filter through into, in, into demand. But if we can build confidence, if we can get the wheels moving again, but get people spending again where it is appropriate and okay for them to do so, that will help prevent the unemployment, um, that will help drive the innovation, that will help rebuild our economy that we need to do quickly. The Kickstarter scheme for young people, six months is great, but we need to make sure that in six months' time, that demand's back, the economy's moving, so that those jobs can be kept. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and also, I mean, just in terms of the VAT cut that's been mooted, we don't know if that's happening or not, but the VAT cut for the hospitality sector, so very much a targeted tax. Again, is the issue price people going out? I mean, is it, a lot of it's more confidence than price, or are we expecting that VAT cut effectively to be just a, a, a keeping, you know, the, instead of the VAT being charged as part of the price of getting a drink or going out to eat, um, the, the uh, restaurants and bars are just going to keep that money themselves effectively? So we won't see price cuts as such to entice people in, but it will enable those uh, businesses to make some semblance of a profit uh, when they've got far fewer customers actually using their services. Is that, do you think, the key aim there? Yes, well, I think if, the, if it's used to support businesses, this isn't about businesses actually increasing their profits in the hospitality sector. This is about businesses managing to survive yeah. so that they can protect those, those, those jobs. So we'll see how the Chancellor delivers any VAT cuts or even there are rumours of, of, of voucher schemes um, to support particular industries, which clearly would, actually, would be there to stimulate consumer spending. Um, both can be valuable. Uh, both can help um, get this, this, this sector that is under such stress through this crisis. And those good businesses that could survive on the other side, it's right to support them. So all eyes on the detail. Um, but some, some some good signals coming out. Well, fingers crossed, yes. We'll be getting uh, that announcement from Ishi Sinek soon after half past 12 today. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Later this morning, the Metropolitan Police Chief at Cressida Dick uh, it will be appearing in front of MPs on the Home Affairs Select Committee by Zoom, uh, where she's going to be answering questions on the uh, police handling of the coronavirus crisis and, of course, the lockdown rules, but also talking about the ongoing difficulty relations between the Met Police and uh, black and ethnic minority communities, obviously, particularly in the wake of that uh, case involving the British athlete. Well, Graham Wetton's joining us now as a policing analyst and author of How to Be a Police Officer. Good morning to you, Graham. Morning, Julia. Um, it's probably going to be a rather uncomfortable uh, committee appearance for Cressida Dick, isn't it? Uh, she's kind of up against it in terms of from the people who say the police didn't sort of go in hard enough and you know deal with things like Black Lives Matter protests, uh, beating a retreat when it came to uh, uh, block parties and street parties where the police were chased away, uh, but also being overzealous policing people, you know, just going for a sit-down picnic in the park. Uh, I think it will be a difficult um, appearance for her. She's with Helen Ball, one of the assistant commissioners, and the pair of them will have some tough questions um, to answer. But again, it's, I'd almost say, well, what do you want us to do? What does Parliament, what do the public actually want the police to do? And we tend to hear from the the vocal minority as to the fact it's been this overzealous police in the COVID, it's, um, uh, to enforce, that we're enforcing those protests too much. From the silent majority, I think, actually want the police to police and enforce the law. 
Yeah, I mean, that's it. Just just wanted to just be, uh, you know, pretty much everyone treated the exact same. And this, of course, has been an issue with Bianca Williams, the British athlete, mm-hmm. uh, protégé of Linford Christie. These accusations from her and her, her spiritual partner that uh, the, the British police, certainly the Met police, are racist and they were racially profiled, pulled over in their flash Mercedes car, uh, simply because the, he was a black man driving a flash car uh, in northwest London. Um, and, uh, and we know the Met police have offered to sort of meet with uh, the couple, uh, but... but Again, we don't really know the full sides of both story. We're told by the police that nothing happened untoward and there was good reason to stop them, unless we've seen all the footage and had the whole video from start to finish, which we've not yet seen. We suppose we can't really give a a, a final verdict, can we? But what do you think about what you know so far about that decision by the police to stop that couple? Um, I think you, you just hit the nail on the head. We haven't got the full, the full story yet. There are two sides to every story. We've only got one side so far. We've had a statement from the Met that says they've reviewed the officer's body-worn video um, and they're happy there was nothing untold there at all. They're happy they had reasonable grounds to stop me in the first place. The police are saying um, they sped away, they indicate for them to stop. I find it difficult to understand who, who videoed their journey home on a mobile phone unless you, you, you know you, you've drawn attention to yourself. I certainly never do. So there's aspects of the case that um, concern me, but I think it's under investigation and have, have self-referred themselves to the Independent Office of Police mm. Conduct. So, so that will come out in the in the fullness of time. But it just seems strange that it was... If you're not happy with that incident, why would you not complain to the police first of all? It seems the police almost had to ask them to come forward so they can speak to them, which I found... I found a strange turn of events. There's also accusing police officers uh, whose cameras were on face, uh, on ca- sorry, whose cameras, whose faces were on camera, uh, of of racism. Um, feel would feel pretty unfair to those officers if they did feel they were doing the right thing. But this is some stuff that's going to be debated, isn't it? But with with Krista Dick, uh, also no doubt the um, rather bad timing for her report from Sir Tom Windsor uh, out today. He of course is the uh, uh, the uh, chief inspector of constabulary, and his report uh, basically saying that uh, the police simply aren't aren't doing uh, their job and that uh, crime victims are getting, he says, a limited service, if any, from the police. That's pretty damning. 7.3% of crime solved. Uh, People not willing to go ahead because they don't trust any culprits ever going to be uh, caught. Um, When you have policing by consent and the vast majority of people Mm. don't feel that actually the police are on their side doing the job and looking after them, that is is going to be a real long-term problem for the police, isn't it? It is, yes, but again, without without sounding like a broken record, you're coming out the back of a significant period of time of resource cuts, budget cuts, austerity cuts, police officers, police stuff. We've done all this before in interviews with you. Um, but there's a, there's a national shortage of detectives. The police have had to prioritise over the last 10, 12 years or so in, in what they have to focus their investigations on. So many of these, these the, the crimes you mentioned, burglaries, thefts, the damage that happened to many, many members of the public, the lower level tier of crime, shall we say, as opposed to the murders, the stabbings, the serious sexual assaults. You have to prioritise what your investigations go into and where your detectives investigate. So many of these other crimes, the burglary, cest, etc., have now been investigated by by response officers. Officers work in shifts. You could pick up a burglary, report a burglary on a a late turn, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. The next two days, your nights, your victims don't want you to knock on their door at four in the morning. Then you're three or four days off. So by the time you come back to investigate that case, a whole week has gone past. So it's not the fault the officer's doing this. And then when you come back on duty, you could be on a protest somewhere or at court or somewhere else. So you actually might not get back get back to speak to your victim for over a week. And that's where yeah. people feel that they're not, being, not getting a good service. And yeah. they're not. But it is, is how the system has now evolved. 
Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.